Let's uh, talk about freedom for a minute. Here's some quotes from uh, some people that you'll know and some that you may not know about freedom. I am no bird and no net ensnares me. I am a free human being with an independent will. Charlotte Bronte. Freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes. Mahatma Gandhi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. We all know that one, right? Martin Luther King Jr. The only real prison is fear. And the only real freedom is freedom from fear. This might be a new name. This is Aung San Sui Kyi. And the last one, may we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. From Peter Marshall. There is a profound difference between how a Jesus follower thinks of freedom and how someone who's not yet met Jesus thinks of freedom. I think if you think about the friends and family that you have who don't know Jesus yet, and you think about the way in which they would describe freedom to you, I think it's possible that they might say that freedom to them means the ability to do whatever they want. Maybe you have felt this way, maybe you still feel this way. Well, if I'm free, I should be able to do whatever I want. The Christian view of freedom is radically different. If you belong to Jesus, you ought to think of freedom this way. I'm free to do whatever love demands. It's a profound difference. On the one hand, free to do whatever you want. On the other hand, free to do whatever love demands. From a Christian point of view, there is no freedom outside of self-giving love. And if that sounds like a restriction, I would say, touche, congregation, touche. There is no freedom outside the bounds of self-giving love. If you want to be free, this is what it's going to take. I'm reading out of John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. You should be able to see it on screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if you're following along at home. John 8, 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. He goes on to tell them that their father is literally the devil. You can imagine why uh, so many of the religious leaders of his day hated Jesus so much. So this morning, real quick for you, nine things to keep in mind if you want to be free. First thing is... Make sure you take your cues from the God-man. We get this out of verse 31. So Jesus said, so often we can rush by a sentence like this. What's the big deal? So Jesus said, but let's pause a moment and think about all the times Jesus has spoken to us and we have not listened. All the times we've just blown past, not just a sentence that says Jesus said something, but that moment in our life when Jesus has actually spoken to you directly. 
Maybe you've been reading the Bible and you feel like this passage is for you. Maybe in the context of worship, you feel like the Holy Spirit put something on your heart. And how quickly did you forget that thing that God said to you? So Jesus said, here's a very simple point. When Jesus speaks, if you want to be free, make sure you listen. This is a deeply theological point. In Christianity, we believe that Jesus is the word, the logos. When we read that God framed the universe by the word of his mouth, that word, that logos, is the second member of the Trinity, the one who became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, known to us as Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I think we can quickly forget that the one who is speaking to us is the one who was spoken as God spoke everything that is into existence. When Jesus speaks, we listen. When the Logos interrupts your daily discourse, you ought to pay attention to him. This leads to a very simple, but I believe profound question. What other voices have you been listening to? Maybe run an inventory real quick. Think back through this week. What voices have held center stage in your life? Would you admit with me that it's at least likely that at least some of the voices you've been listening to have not been the voice of Jesus. If you want to be free, listen to Jesus when he speaks. Believe in Jesus. And point number two, be prepared for your belief to have massive consequences. Again, something you can miss with a cursory reading of this text. Verse 31, part B. So Jesus said, to who? To the Jews who had believed in him. We forget that these Jews who were believing in Jesus, even before he'd been crucified, even before he had been raised again to life, they were setting themselves up to have their life completely changed, to have their way of living completely altered. Even to this day, I grew up in Israel, I have many Jewish friends. If a practicing religious Jewish person comes to faith in Jesus, if they come from a religious family, it is not un uncommon for their family to sit in what we refer to as Shiva, to mourn them as if they have died. A Jew who comes to Jesus today has to leave their entire life. And if you think about the story of Jesus' first followers, you will see that that was the pattern even in the early days of Christianity. This is something that we forget, especially if we have been established in our following of Jesus for many years. We forget that to come to Jesus means huge consequences. Let me quote for you Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous World War II era German activist. When Christ bids someone come, he bids them come and die. He's rooting this statement, of course, in the famous words of Luke chapter 9. If anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. One of these days I need to preach through the Gospel of Luke and camp on that one verse for an entire week. If anyone, yes, the invitation is open to everyone, would come after me, it involves following him doggedly, let them deny themselves. You could work an entire life learning to deny yourself and still not learn all there is to know about that art. Let them deny themselves. This is not a one-time thing. Take up their cross not once but daily. I don't know about you, but, you know, if I could get myself to take up a cross even once, I would be achieving something remarkable. And I feel a little tired when I think about the fact that I have to take up the cross today, and then I have to take it up again tomorrow. And then I have to take it up again the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. Let them take up their cross daily and follow me. My question for you this morning, because I care about you, is have you died to self lately? 
Maybe think back to this week and an opportunity you had to die to self and you blew it. The only way to die to self, point number three, is to stay in love because that's how you find the truth. I get this out of verses 31 through 32. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word from the word. Okay, I've told you that Jesus is the Logos. He is the word of the Father. And here is the word from the word. What does Jesus have to say about the essence of what it means to follow him? This is one of Pastor Todd's favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. And one of them is found in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. What do I tell you every time I have the opportunity? The essence of New Testament Christianity is to learn to love God with everything you've got and to learn to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word from the word. Next time you find yourself wondering what Jesus is saying, he is saying what he has always said. And what he has always said is that we ought to learn to love God. And we ought to learn to love neighbor as we love ourselves. This is echoed in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also ought to love one another. And then we layer onto that the famous words of John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then tie a bow on it with the immortal words of 1 John 4, 8, God is love. We quickly build a case for staying in love if you want to learn the truth, if you want to get to know the person who is the truth, so that you will find freedom. Stay in love. I thank God that that's such a simple teaching. I can work on that. Maybe you can too. You'll experience a moment this week where you can choose to stay in love. If you abide in my word, that's how you'll find freedom and it'll help you. Point number four, reject pride. Did you notice when we read it for the first time, the pride that is on display here in the Jewish people who are listening to and arguing with Jesus in this passage in John? Verse 33, part B. I believe they probably said it indignantly. We are the offspring of Abraham. It's as if they're saying, do you know who you're talking to here? You ever feel that way, that indignation rise up when someone treats you badly, disrespects you, disregards who you think you are, pays no attention to the capital you feel you've built up in that relationship? Can you, have you ever felt that way? Is it just me? Indignation, right? Who do you think you are? We're the offspring of Abraham. I'm sure Jesus was thinking, actually, I know exactly who you are. It bears remembering that God knows us better than we know ourselves. I know exactly who you are. Let me point out from the pride that is on display here that freedom and pride don't mix. They just don't. It's like oil and water. Why is that? Well, if you think too much of yourself, you think too little of God. If you think too little of God, you'll find yourself with a tendency to obey yourself rather than God. You see how this quickly becomes insidious and very difficult? If you continually obey yourself rather than God, mark my words, you will find yourself becoming an idolater, someone who worships someone or something other than the one true God. And I've been very clear on this in the past several weeks. If you are an idolater, your life is subject to wrath. Why is that? Because the real God hates fake ones. He just hates them. 
That's why pride and freedom don't mix. That's why so many people you know think they're free, but really their life shows the fruit of bondage. You have a great opportunity next time, says to you, next time someone you know and love says to you, I just feel so trapped. You can gently point them towards this teaching. You can gently begin asking them about the things that are seated on the throne of their life. They won't know this term, but you can begin asking them about those areas in their life that are their number one priority. And I think every time you meet somebody who's in bondage, you will meet somebody who has something other than the real God of the universe on the throne of their life. If you want to be free, you must surrender your throne. How can somebody testify to how difficult that is? Again, it's the work of a lifetime. It's not something you ever master, but every chance you get, you need to get down off the throne and point number five, admit your need. Notice here that the Jewish people arguing with Jesus do not admit their need. They say what? We have never been slaves, um, except under the Egyptians, uh, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. Uh, even as these events took place, they were enslaved to the Romans. In future generations, they would be enslaved to the Russians and the Germans, and I don't think it puts too fine a point on it to say that even the modern state of Israel, in its radical indebtedness to U.S. funding, is still marching to the beat of the U.S. drum. We have never been slaves betrays an intense lack of self-awareness. You're thinking, well, Todd, I'm not a Jew living under the Romans, arguing with Jesus. Yeah, but the same attitude we, say on we see on display here can show up in your life when you have these words occur to yourself, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. How many people do you know who regard self-sufficiency as a highest good? Something we applaud, something we say, good for you, you don't need anyone. I'm just here to remind you this morning that that is a demonic point of view. Okay, if that ever begins showing up in you, that tendency to say, I I'm good, I don't need anything, remember that that attitude is a surefire shot to bondage. Let me encourage you this morning to admit your need. It's pretty easy to do. Find a quiet moment, okay? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, show me those areas of need in my life. Even now as I'm teaching you about it, I'm sure there are areas in your life that are occurring to you, right? Nod at me if that's you. Right? It's, it's, it's that automatic. Admit your need. Friends, the clear teaching of the Christian scriptures is that freedom is found in surrender. This is one of those turn the logic on its head kind of moments that so often and so difficultly show up in Christian teaching. Surrender is the key to freedom. Surrender. Surrender. And speaking of finding freedom, if you're someone who's watching today and you are still searching for freedom, let me encourage you to, point number six, look to the answer for the answer. Let me read to you out of verses 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus answered them. I love here that the answer has the answer and is the answer. Let me say that again in case you missed it. The answer has the answer and is the answer. Friend, Jesus is the answer you're looking for. I know this in my own bones. I know this from my own life. I know this from the clear teaching of Scripture. 
How many of you would testify that Jesus is the answer? Right? He's the answer you were looking for. And what's important to remember is that he's not a one-time answer. Like, you get the answer at 17 and then you're good for the rest of your life. How many of you know that life is more about questions than answers? The older you get, the more, whoa, somebody, the older you get, the more you realize how much you need the answer that is Jesus. Okay, I need him more today than I did at 26. It's not trite, it's true. If you want to be free, Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key. He is the one who went to the cross to suffer and die in your place for your sins. He's the only one who can deal with your sin problem. Okay, if you found yourself bound up in addiction, bound up in destructive habits, bound up in depression and anxiety, Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. You're like, preacher, I find that very hard to believe. The psalmist said it clearly. I can think of nothing better to say to you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try him. Next time you find yourself in a corporate worship context, try singing. You're like, singing is stupid until you try it. Then your heart awakens to new life in Christ. You find yourself as often as not weeping in the presence of God. And you're like, what is wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. Rightness is beginning to happen to you. Jesus is the answer that you need. There's only two ways to live really when you get right down to it. Heaven's way or hell's way. This is what Jesus is alluding to in verses 35 through 38, when he's talking about his father and their father. He's referring to God, his father, and he goes on to tell them that he believes the devil is their father. There's only two ways to live, heaven's way or hell's way. And heaven's way involves, hear it now, church, daughtership, sonship, and inheritance. Okay, that's what heaven's way entails. It it entails daughtership, sonship, and inheritance. Hell's way entails slavery. That's why Jesus is using the slave-free analogy here. And like I said off the intro to today's sermon, if you're watching online, I never met anybody who said, you know what, I would much rather be a slave than free. So here's my question to you today. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? As you think about freedom and what it takes to be free, as you've listened to today's sermon, if you find yourself thinking, man, I have a lot of work to do, some things are going to need to change, start by point number eight, making room in your heart. Look at verse 37, the second part. I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. My word finds no place in you. Let me encourage you to examine your heart this week to see whether it is so full of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, quoting 1 John 2.16, that there's no room for the word. There's no room for G. Do you think it's possible? Think of your garden. Does your garden ever get choked by weeds? Let's add another layer. Despite the fact that you weed your garden, does it continually get choked by weeds? Do the weeds keep coming back and coming back and coming back? It is the same way with your heart and idolatry. So examine your heart this week and make sure that there is room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus. And if you want to be free, trust him because he's an eyewitness. And band, you can come back and join me on stage because I'm done. Okay, ultimately, if you want to be free today, you need to trust Jesus. Why should I trust Jesus? Because he is an eyewitness. This is why verse 38, as we close, is so important. I speak of what I have seen with my father. 
You can trust Jesus because he is speaking about something he has literally seen with his father. Jesus came from the father. This is the clear testimony of John 16, 28. Jesus said, if you'd seen him, you'd seen the father in John 14, 9. And then he said that thing that got him in ultimate trouble with the religious authorities of his day. He said that he and his father were one in John 10, 30. I bring up those three famous statements from Jesus to remind you that you can trust him. So take your cues from him. Be prepared for your belief to have massive consequences. Stay in him. Stay in love if you want to find the truth. Reject pride. I'm going to start with that one this week. The first time I find myself in a moment where I want to make more of myself and less of Christ, I'm going to reverse that one. I'm going to turn it on its head. I'm going to make much of God. I'm going to ask that he might increase, that I might decrease. Admit your need and continually look to him as the answer, because that's what he is. And then keep walking out of slavery into freedom because it's your right. You are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. You have the right to walk out of slavery into freedom. Just remember that this week. You find yourself in difficulty, remember that you have the right to walk out of slavery into freedom and then make room in your heart. The way you make room in your heart is just like how you make room in your house, how you make room in your closet. You make room in your closet by getting rid of old clothes. You can make room in your heart by getting rid of old ways, old habits, old loves, old tendencies, old idols. Make room in your heart for Jesus and then live heaven's way. That's uh, freedom, baby.